0: Ladies and gents, and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host, Chris Simpson, and joining me as ever is Cara Thistlethwaite. Car. And we are joining you listeners, breaking news, on the back of a Newcastle win, our first win since the 6th of February, all the way back to our first episode, if I'm not mistaken. Newcastle won a game.
1: I know, on this snowy afternoon, who would have thought that would have occurred?
0: I, I'm speechless. I... Newcastle I mean, won a game. Sorry, yeah, it's still it shows, it's still not sunk in.
1: It shows you how much you can do. Well, it shows you how well you can play as a team. However, it also highlights how much Newcastle have really been missing their impact players of San Maximan and um, Wilson. It's it, you played really well, obviously when San Maximum came on.
0: That was that the was, turning point. That wasn't. was the
1: creative the extra creativity i think that you needed i mean newcastle were playing you were playing well you almaron was playing well but again almaron can't do everything himself so having that extra individual of san max man to help him on the other side i think allowed your team to click more and i think in a way it shows how you haven't been changing your style of play when you've had these significant injuries. And that's not an easy thing to do because I don't think Newcastle have the players to fill in those gaps. Mm. But it is nice to see that Newcastle can actually play. (laughs) Because i have not seen it for a while. (laughs) I mean, well, to
0: be honest, I didn't think Steve Bruce really had much of a plan for the first (laughs) 60 minutes. I think he was basically just hoping that we would not be 3-0 down by that hour mark when he could bring Sam Maximan and Colin Wilson on and obviously we were 1-0 down at the time but that that was the that was the moment that changed the game those two coming on Sam Maximan especially what a performance
1: yeah Wilson was quite quiet but he did he did his job in dragging players left right and centre and the, the concentration was on him and Sam Maximan definitely made the most of all of the opportunities he was given and really um, inspired Newcastle
0: And Wilson also had the more significant injury as well, of course. So it might take him a little bit longer to sort of ease his way back into it. But it just showed that impact that they can have. I mean, Sam Maximan, obviously, first of all, within a couple of minutes of coming on, has that instant impact with that assist for Jacob Murphy. And also, what a great finish from Jacob Murphy as well.
1: Yeah, Jacob Murphy's been very, very impressive this season. I actually thought Dwight Gale played quite well as well, obviously, before Sam Maximan came on. I think whether or not it was unfortunate or nerves or good goalkeeping I think all of those things played in the part when his shot was saved it was a good opportunity but it was also a good save so it's unfortunate for Gale because I feel like he played well enough that he deserved to have a goal under his name and obviously that would have set you up even more nicely rather than you literally sitting at the edge of your seats almost in tears for (laughs) most of the second half oh it was a tense finish (laughs) Uh,
0: and then as we said that great assist for Jacob Murphy and then Sam Maximan five minutes later with a pretty fab solo goal as well, to be honest, where he was just twisting and turning away from James Tarkowski. Of course, there was that great angle on social media that we saw where the cameraman literally just couldn't keep up with Sam Maximan's movements, which was brilliant. Uh, And then a fine finish as well. And of course, that turned the game on its head. Kind of a bit of a reverse of what we did against Tottenham last week, where they scored twice in a, a space of about four or five minutes. We did that to Burnley and really sort of turned things around. And it was, I mean, it was just it was just great to get the three points under yeah. our belts, to be honest. That was the most important thing.
1: I've noticed we have jumped to the, the the latter part of the match. So shall we just rewind and start from the beginning a little bit? I mean, the 18th minute goal um, from the cutback from Chris Wood, it was a really good move from Burnley.
0: Yeah, it was. And, it, it, you <laughs> know, a calm finish from Matty Vidra. The, obviously, the frustrating thing was just where was the mark, and we had so many players back and none of them picked up Vidra did they
1: and I think I know we'll come on to this in more detail but I think Newcastle's next match which we've obviously just seen what the Hammers are capable of in their Leicester match which I'm still a little bit bitter about (laughs) Um, but you know we didn't play in that first half either but we had the players who were in form enough to get those extra goals back Hmm. now our defence wasn't great either however I still do feel that Leicester's defence was slightly better than what Newcastle's has been recently Yeah. so absolutely. it's whether or not you can maintain a clean enough sheet hopefully <laughs> clean or at least a one, the one goal we know you can now come back from because I mean you'd only had what one shot in the first half hour compared to the 7 or 8 that Burnley have had, West Ham have obviously had a lot more than Burnley they're in form, they're hungry it's whether or not your de- Newcastle's defence can shore itself up enough in that first half while you get yourself into that momentum because when you're in that momentum and in that flow and you are playing Newcastle can be really quite threatening it's just when other teams prevent Newcastle from playing the game that they want and that that that's the problem you've also been quite unlucky I definitely thought that was a penalty I said right from the start as soon as the, the foot was raised that that should have been a penalty, and definitely looking at it from VAR. I mean, if that was anywhere else, a hundred percent a free kick at a minimum would have been given for a dangerous, uh, dangerous foot. It wasn't intentional. I get that. It still occurred though. He did get smacked in the face with a boot.
0: Yeah, I. Th- I mean, that that was a, ri- a ridiculous decision, wasn't it? I mean,
1: if it was Dean, that would be a red card, <laughs> and he'd be singing and dancing his way to that penalty spot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, this was the the high kick from James Tarkowski. Basically, into Sean Longstaff's face. As he said, no malice in it. He was just clearing the ball.
1: It could have been a lot worse. But it was
0: it was a high foot. That is dangerous play. Yeah. And it, it should have been a penalty. Plain and simple. Uh, PigMole, that's the um, professional referee sort of uh, organisation, their explanation was that Tarkowski played the ball first and then Longstaff sort of stoops and put his head into that area. Well, I mean, that's just a nonsense for me because...
1: In the couple of seconds... That that occurred, both players are going for the ball, it's, and that foot was high.
0: It's a split second, and as yeah.
1: If if we talk about dangerous play, let's talk about a rugby rule, right? So a rugby rule: a dangerous tackle is a an arm above the shoulder, right? And that is split second decisions. No player, or no decent player in any form, should be aiming for a high tackle. Mm. But these things happen. That's just the way. It, that's just the way the game is. And that'll be a dangerous tackle, and a yellow card. He'd be sent off to the sin bin. It doesn't matter where it, where it happens. It's dangerous, and the player gets the consequence. I don't really care if both players were going for the ball. If it happens, it happens, and this should be the same in football. It was a head injury, effectively.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You, you could argue, say, if it was if Sean Longstaff was attempting a diving header and he was a few feet off the ground, well. That's not really dangerous in Tarkowski because the ball's low, and he's you know he's got to get in the way of it, he's got to kick it. When Tarkowski's foot is basically six feet in the air off the ground, I mean hit- it was
1: an incredible kick. Can I just say anyone would yeah. Any- <laughs> and John Longstaff
0: is quite tall. He's I think he's about six one or six two, and he he was he was barely leaning forward, so it was almost his full height.
1: Yeah, it wasn't. It's
0: dangerous play.
1: It wasn't. It wasn't low. That that the foot was definitely over over a player's shoulder, and as you say. Longstaff was not stretching to get that. Um, Well, he was going for it, but he wasn't leaning down to get that in any shape or form.
0: And now, obviously, I don't want to get too much into the rules and regulations because, frankly, who even understands them anymore? And then VAR makes things even more complicated. (laughs) But there are instances where there might be a high boot, but if there's then no contact with the player, then they could give an indirect free kick. But they didn't even do that. Aside from the fact that a, I think the replay show, I think fairly clearly that it, it it catches Tarkowski's boot catches Sean Longstaff basically right on the nose, like literally right in his face. Yeah,
1: I do. I do think it was.
0: But even even I, I if, don't
1: think it was a full contact. otherwise his nose would definitely. there have been a lot more blood. We've seen that in the Rangers yeah, match. Yeah, but he definitely clips in there, doesn't Prague. he? He did clip him. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm he, not even if he hadn't. There. It's still dangerous. It's still high for. Doesn't matter. Does even it? if we'd have
0: had an indirect free kick six yards out, that's still a massive chance. Not obviously as good as a penalty because they can put a wall in the way, but that would still have been massive. And we ended up getting nothing. Thankfully, it didn't cost us because
1: we could have easily done. And, I did not expect it to come. Back and when with you're two in
0: goals. such a relegation scrap, when you're in such a, a bitter dogfight that Newcastle are in, you can't afford for decisions like that to unjustly go against you. And I think they were unlucky not to have been given the penalty there. Um, and of course as we said this was after Newcastle were already 1-0 down at the time so that would have been an equal well potentially been an equaliser if we'd have converted it. I'm
1: not sure I would have wanted to watch you during that penalty moment though I'm, if that was given I think I would have I'm honestly not sure I would have even been able to
0: watch it I would have been that nervous. Because well, let's face it it hadn't been a good first half from Newcastle. We played so well against Tottenham last week of course. Mm as you mentioned before we just didn't sort of carry any of that momentum into the start of, of the, the game against Burnley as you said I it was about half an hour in they'd had seven or eight shots to our one which is you know
1: but they were playing their game and they weren't letting Newcastle play
0: I just don't think we were
1: I don't, feel, you don't, I don't feel that you wanted to play
0: I don't think we were really trying to do yeah. very much I think I think Steve Bruce's plan was literally just Hope for the best for sixty minutes. Yeah. And then throw the throw the two attackers on, Wilson, Sam Maximan, and then hope they'll get some. I do, I do, and it f- worked.
1: It did work. I do feel bad for Jointon the, and Gail yeah. and Almer because I did feel that they were trying to do everything because your midfield just seemed to not exist. Oh, he ha- he
0: had to make the change. If he'd have left yeah. Gail and Jointon on and not brought Wilson Sam Maxman, we would have lost one nil, probably two 0 to be honest.
1: Oh oh no, I, I agree. I, I think out of everyone, but I, I Shelby was poor. The long stats weren't really there apart from inset pieces. I said long staffs was only one of them. Um <laughs> but I feel that your midfield let you down in that first half, though Newcastle could not keep the ball in that really important area on the pitch. Yeah, and that's been and that a recurring was. issue, Charles, isn't it? The, it was. the midfield,
0: yeah. that there's they're so it, staying on the ball is so unfamiliar to Newcastle that you can <laughs> see how uncomfortable we are when we have it, yeah. which is quite a depressing way to be. But as I say, I don't want to be too negative because, no. again, just a reminder, listeners: Newcastle got three points, three massive points in just, that relegation I just strat. also
1: want to point out again how important Debravka is for Newcastle because yeah. without him, some of the saves 100%. he made during that match
0: He was I massive mean, in that second half especially, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, uh, 100% I think Burnley's keeper, Bailey Peacock Farrell he did seem a little bit nervous, I thought it was unusual I I'm not quite sure why he was played was there an injury, that might have been something I missed in the pre-match talk Burnley unfortunately I don't really follow too much but he seemed like a good keeper and he made some excellent saves but he did seem a little bit unsure and obviously then that was really taken advantage of in the second half but Dubravka was again literally a wall in front of your goal
0: Yeah well that's why it was the first half was, was so disappointing that I thought Burnley were there to be got at and that he did look a little bit shaky you know, with his inexperience I think it was only his second Premier League appearance for Burnley
1: it's clearly a good keeper, though.
0: Oh, I think he's going to be a good yeah. keeper, but at the same time, you know, he he was there to to really be got at if we'd have actually pushed it. And as I said, that's why he was disappointing first. But half, I think but I think that
1: was the main difference between Burnley and Newcastle. Dubravka, the keeper, was so much more secure that even though your defense, Newcastle defense was poor at times, you could rely on Dubravka to make those split d- seconds. He saves. dug us out of
0: some holes, didn't he? Exactly. And, of course, (laughs) walking away with those three massive points. And after Fulham losing 1-0 to Wolves on Friday, huge, huge for Newcastle in the survival race. We're now six points clear of Fulham with a game in hand still. And also, we're only one point behind Burnley now after that win. So we've kind of dragged Burnley. I think Burnley will probably be fine. But we have kind of dragged them sort of back into that scrap.
1: Do you have seven games left to play now?
0: Yeah, there are seven Seven, games left to play. We're also, uh, listeners, we are recording this before Brighton host Everton on Monday, but depending on how that goes, we may finish the full game week level with Brighton uh, if Everton do actually win that game as well. So again, we've really put the cat amongst the pigeons in terms of the survival race. We're not the only ones down there fighting now. Don't get me wrong, I'm not going to get too carried away. There's a lot of football still to be played. and As we know, Newcastle have got some very difficult fixtures still to come in the next four or five weeks. But we had to win that game and we did and we have given ourselves a really solid platform to build on and a a good shot at survival now.
1: Let's just hope this momentum moves over into other matches and that when you come to the more difficult games like Man City that this doesn't knock Newcastle's confidence too much for for the other games and and as we've said before multiple times as long as Newcastle play as if they want to win you might not necessarily walk away happy but you're not going to walk away depressed and livid at the lack of will and determination from your Newcastle squad
0: yeah I mean let's be realistic obviously as you say seven games left Five of them in particular are very, very difficult. Oh no, I know. We know there's gonna be some defeats in there. That's unavoidable and it's inevitable. But if we can play well enough that they aren't really sort of demoralising defeats, as you've said, if we play against Man City and Liverpool and at least even if we do lose them, if we can at least put in a good showing like we did against Tottenham, and then maybe nick a point, or maybe even nick a shock win. that would be massive. If we go and lose the next five games, three, four, five, nil, then obviously this was all for nothing. But
1: My God, if you beat Man
0: City, that'll be amazing. It would be incredible. It would be incredible. <laughs> One obviously bit of unfortunate news ahead of that run in, of course, is that Jamal wasells he obviously was missing against Burnley with a suspected stress fracture in his foot. So it's unknown, you know, at this stage how long he'll be out for, whether he'll play again this season. He was certainly missed at the back today. Yeah, I thought. you could definitely
1: see it. He organises the back four of Newcastle so well. Just his presence—that doesn't.
0: He's such a leader, isn't he?
1: Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't excuse the poor defence we have seen from Newcastle, and he has—he's been part of some poor defending himself. But I feel that Lascelles is one of those players that the rest of your team focuses on, he is a focal point and if he's playing well and if he's calling the shots well it does an impact on the rest of the Newcastle squad, with him missing, we, we're just going to have to rely on other players, let's say Murphy at the moment is playing very well if he continues to do that it would be great um, I'm missing Fraser though is Fraser injured? Because I really like Fraser back in the team because I think he adds a lot of pace.
0: Yes, I believe Fraser picked up a bit of a knock on international duty which is also why uh, he missed out against Tottenham last week as well
1: yeah that's it's a shame I, mean, I don't not... think
0: it's too serious so I think we will still see him again this season but yeah that's why he's been out
1: because it would be great to see him alongside Almiron and Murphy because he's got that pace and Fraser's crosses have been pretty dangerous with Jolington now no longer just a your mock best player he's actually being quite useful but with a cross to Jolington who's now got a bit of confidence that could be another outlet for Newcastle to score against other teams especially on the counter-attack because let's be honest against some of these larger teams that might be your only opportunity
0: yeah and with Wilson being back as well that's another target to aim for in the penalty area yeah
1: I only said uh, Jonathan just pure because of his physical presence
0: yeah but yeah so we'll have to just sort of wait and see on ourselves. as I say it would be a big shame because he does lead by example he is obviously one of our better centre backs and as we've also actually seen in recent weeks he does pop up with the odd goal.
1: Yeah, and we talked especially last week about the importance of Newcastle set pieces and him, his, again, his height is a prime target for that. It's just it's a shame that now Newcastle don't, again, have that outlet.
0: We'll just have to see how that one goes. In other news, listeners, this week was the 1892 pledge was launched by the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. So in case you haven't heard about this, basically... This is an attempt to buy a minority stake in Newcastle when one day we are finally sold by Mike Ashley. He's
1: never going to sell it if you get a chance to have some of it.
0: (laughs) And the hope, of course, is that it will give fans a bit of a say in the running of the club. Now, as we say, this will be a minority stake. It may only be 1% if it even happens, but it will be pretty phenomenal. I'll just get through some of the details first. So basically, this fund... There are four guardians of it, as they're so called, which include Newcastle legend Warren Barton and athletic journalist George Colkin, and basically the four of them they will determine basically if and when the time is right to uh, acquire that stake, and if it seems that that time isn't going to come, so maybe the f- fund hasn't grown enough, or basically just seems that it's just not going to be realistic, and it's the club just aren't going to work with a minority shareholder. Then the funds are all going to be basically redirected to local charities in the northeast. But you know this movement—it's supported by club legends like Alan Shearer, Rob Lee, Steve Howie—and at the time of recording, uh, more than forty-four thousand pounds has actually been raised.
1: That's brilliant. When did it? When did it start? When was it?
0: It's literally only been going about two or three days at this point, at, at the time of recording. So by uh, by the time this podcast actually comes out that will probably have gone up even more. And again, hopefully this fund can grow. And I said, maybe one day it might actually give, even just a little bit, it might actually give the fans a bit of a say in how the club is run, which I think would be a pretty phenomenal move, to be honest. I mean, we've seen in Germany how fan ownership can work. And obviously it's obviously not going to be the same as it is in Germany because of course they have to own more than 50%. Whereas, as we've said, this may... If it comes off, may only result in one or two percent or something like that. But I think for Newcastle to potentially be leading the charge on this sort of movement in the UK, in the Premier League, in this era of you know billionaire owners and and foreign ownership coming in, and people who have real no sort of connections to clubs just taking charge, whether it's from Saudi Arabia or.
1: Saudi Arabia, (laughs) yeah, or or Saudi Arabia, or
0: China, or or Qatar, or you know, any of these sort of places, or or the US as well, as we've seen uh, with some clubs. I think it would just be a really, really cool move, even if ultimately it would still be a a, a very much a minority thing. I think that would be a really cool thing for the future. It's
1: it's something that Newcastle fans deserve, especially with your owner being so poor. And I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Mike Ashley is in any way a good owner, but there are worse owners out there. So you're not quite in the same position as Cardiff. Should we just leave that there? Yeah, you've got to dig um,
0: around, but they are out there. Black, you've got,
1: yeah, you've have to. We, we all know for Blackpool
0: it. have had their problems as well. I won't go into everything with the Oystons, but
1: but but for for Newcastle to was was such a huge fan base, and um, Newcastle United supporters' trust is massive, and it, you know it really does represent what the fans want we've gone around newcastle several times and whenever you go into the stadium or into any literally any shop that sells football memorabilia you always see stuff that is um been designed by or supported by the newcastle united supporters trust and for you to then finally feel that not only are you now the heart and soul of newcastle but to actually feel that you do own part of it Back from, I don't know. I don't really want to give him like a cool title because he's not. (laughs) I I don't know uh, from the greedy cutties of the Fat Cat, Mike Mike Ashley. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But to have that sense of ownership and and actually really have some ownership over the over the team would be really good for not just fans, but I I do feel Newcastle, the city itself.
0: Yeah, I mean. Fans are basically the, the lifeblood of any club. And I think Newcastle... I don't want to bang on too much. Like, oh, yeah, we're special, you know. And every fan thinks their club is special. And in a way, every club is special.
1: Unless you're Sunderland.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't talk about them here. But there is that connection that Newcastle fans have. It's a, It's a one-club city. The stadium being right in that city centre... There is something a little bit different about Newcastle and about St James' Park and about the fans and the way it all connects together.
1: And I mean, even if you're not a fan in Newcastle and you might not even enjoy football at all, you might be a Falcons fan, a completely different sport. But you can't get away from the Newcastle Football Stadium, from literally, as I say, any shop will sell some form of Newcastle football memorabilia. There is no way to escape it. It is in the veins of that city itself.
0: Yeah, and, well, w- all we can do is we can hope that maybe one day this does come to something, and if not, then, as I say, that £44,000 and who knows what total that might end up as, worst case scenario, that all goes to charity, so either way, it's a pretty phenomenal thing to donate your money to, if you can. Yeah, so and- we all
1: know it's we're in tough times at the moment, but any, any money that anyone could donate to this uh, 1892 pledge please do so, as we've said it is for good causes and it is very transparent as well. Yep,
0: yeah, and if you do want to donate you can do that at www.1892pledge.co.uk and also you know you can find out more information about it there as well. Moving on now to looking Ooh. ahead to Newcastle's <laughs> next game. Newcastle hosting West Ham next Saturday lunchtime. And yeah, now we're recording this basically straight after watching... A boring
1: 70 minutes. A boring (laughs) 70 minutes of Leicester being absolutely (laughs) balls.
0: Well, yeah, West Ham, I was looking at it more from a a West Ham point of view and sort of keeping an eye on them. And for that first 70 minutes, they were great. Of course, this was the 3-2 win they've just had over Leicester City.
1: Well, again, then this goes back to what I was saying before. This is a team that doesn't let its opposition play the way that they want to and they completely outplayed Leicester Um, Leicester couldn't get on the ball we couldn't control how we want to, they were high pressing the question is whether they could do this with Newcastle who aren't exactly consistent anyway their method of play is I wouldn't even say planned (laughs) (laughs) If is that they, Bruce's
0: master plan? To just make us just completely, completely unpredictable? Random. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's just random crap. <laughs> um, so, the question is, if they can get on top of you. Newcastle are going to find it difficult to play against because they are on form and Jesse Lingard has been on fire and I'm sure you'll come out with some stats for us in a minute about Jesse Lingard and his uh, well, really <laughs> horrific dancing It's so irritating and I don't even mean if he scored against anyone and did those dances, I'd be annoyed it's just doubly so today at this moment when it's time. against you it, it, it does great <laughs> doesn't stupid it? stupid but... fortnight dance grow up anyhow um, <laughs> it's whether or not Newcastle if if they. Are on the back foot. We've seen that they have the determination to come back. We've seen that against um obviously the opponents today. And I did think that you didn't deserve to lose against Tottenham. Or lose draw. You did come back into that.
0: I mean yeah, I think on another day we could have beaten Tottenham, couldn't we?
1: I, I agree, I think you're unlucky. However, it's West Ham were everywhere for seventy minutes. Will Newcastle have enough time to come back in the thirty minutes that remain of that match? 30 minutes, I can't even do maths, 20 minutes. No, okay, no, wait, I go back because there was six minutes added on to that match, so I'm actually closer with my 30 minutes.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, as we've seen, West Ham having a great season. And yeah, I mean, Jesse Lingard, obviously, he's, he's been the name on everyone's lips for the last couple of months. And, and to be fair, deservedly so. He was having the rough patch at Man United. But since he joined West Ham on loan in January eight goals and three assists. I mean, you can't really argue with those numbers. You can't. And they're
1: blistering on the counter-attack as well. I mean, Leicester's defence was bad and and disorganised. But if those counter-attacks happen against Newcastle without your main defender... I mean, Mm. I know we've not got Soyunchi at the moment and we've just literally got Evans and Amarty really as our main defenders at the back there. Um, But without the organisation and the strength and determination of LaSalle's... It could, it could be,
0: it's going to be quite a huge bad test. quite quickly. I think there is some hope, though, for Newcastle. in that If you just look at West Ham's recent games, now literally in the last three matches in a row, they've gone 3-0 up and then <laughs> conceded at least twice. Which yeah. does show, actually, maybe they get a bit complacent when they go ahead. Obviously, there was the 3-0 against Arsenal. And then... The last two, of course, 3 2 against Wolves and Leicester, all that, as I say, literally from 3 0 up. I don't want us to see, I don't want to see us go 3 0 down against West Ham on Saturday lunchtime. But as we've seen, if we do, maybe there will actually still be a bit of hope. There is a bit of vulnerability there. Maybe a bit of. West Ham's
1: complacency as well, but their physical fitness. Was very poor at the start of this season. Now, obviously, that's improved, but they are going all out in that first 45 minutes. So, in the latter half of the second half, is when they are a bit tired and complacent as well. On top of that, mm. after they've scored or they have um, been very dominant, that's their weak point. However, if you manage to keep the ball, which hasn't actually been a main <laughs> Newcastle thing recently and you manage to stretch them, maybe that will turn them out quicker to give you more opportunities and more chances. But if Sam Maximan starts, that would be positive because he's the one that will create. He's the one that will run and he's the one that will create holes in that defence. You never know, Lingard might get angry or something, but he's not Deli Ally, so probably be <laughs> fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully, maybe Sam Maximan and Wilson will be... Fit enough to start. If not, we've we've seen the impact they can make off the bench.
1: And with a tired West Ham or a complacent West Ham, you might be able to get back and win. Yeah. Obviously, we're assuming that we're going to go down in the first half. <laughs> that does sound Probably. negative, but it was I also mean, it, quite also realistic. realistic. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, and I think the only, the other, I guess, ray of hope for for Newcastle is we do actually have quite a decent record against west ham uh, yeah. in recent games i mean obviously we won 2-0 uh, when the two sides played one another in the first game of the season obviously we've gone in very different directions since then <laughs> but we have won 5 of the last 8 meetings with west ham if we could and we're at home as well so
1: but this is one of those one of those teams that newcastle weirdly do really well against it, it's that it, it's like west ham's kryptonite
0: yeah we we've just got to hope that yeah maybe we can get something something more on the board obviously another win would be absolutely phenomenal and i think at that point again i'm not i wouldn't get carried away but again that would be an absolutely enormous step towards safety again even if it was just a point that'd still be pretty good i think certainly for the next 5 games anywhere where we can just avoid defeat is is pretty good considering the calibre of opponents we've got
1: yeah cuz liverpool but, and arsenal are after west ham Leicester, I wouldn't even say we're not exactly playing great at that moment. We don't have a
0: good record against you, though, so <laughs> no. I wouldn't feel very optimistic there. But, as I say, we'll have to see how it goes. Some hope, though, and as I say, if, if we could get uh, another win...
1: It played well today. You never know. Let's just hope that that can
0: certainly continue. This, well, we, certainly played, the... we played well when the... Sir <laughs> <laughs> Maximana and Wilson came on, anyway.
1: But that is the hope now, that your injuries will become of a problem as more and more of them get fit. Let's just hope that this recent run of form continues over the next couple of matches because if you can get a draw from some of these next games, that will be impressive and really, really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's all from us today, listeners. If you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review, that would be absolutely phenomenal. Until next time, this has been Magpies Unrestricted, and as ever, I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Kara. No worries. And thanks again, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.